but on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hi there, welcome to episode seven. I'm thrilled to have you listening. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, we'd love to have you following us on social media. We are also always appreciative when you can leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. It's a totally free way to support the show and help spread the word to other people who would be interested in listening. In the coming weeks, we have a giveaway in the works. I won't go into all the details here, but if you like Starbucks, especially free Starbucks, you might want to make sure that you're following us either on Instagram or on Facebook. Today's episode is with Pastor James King of Christian Life Center of Centerton, Arkansas. He holds a Master of Science in Marriage and Family Therapy and works as a mental health counselor and therapist. I have personally had several counseling sessions with Pastor King, and I can tell you that he offers an excellent mix of expertise in psychology paired with sound biblical interpretation and application of apostolic doctrine in his counsel. You may have heard or had the opinion that seeking professional psychological counseling is somehow contrary to a life of faith. If that's been your mindset, I hope you can listen to this episode with an open mind and heart because I am certain the wisdom Pastor King shares here has the power to transform our thinking and our understanding about what it means to walk in truth. I am super excited about this one. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor James King. Pastor James King, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you coming on. You and I have known each other for a few months now. My pastor, Baron Longstreth here in Tulsa, connected me with you to help me work through some of the depression I was dealing with or have been dealing with Mm -hmm. since the birth of my second daughter. And we've had some counseling therapy sessions that have been really helpful for me that have helped me kind of identify some of the underlying reasons why depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety have been a struggle for me over the years. And so not to get this too personal or (laughs) this isn't a therapy session, but the work you and I have done together kind of got me over the hurdle to the place where I was ready to start this podcast. So I'm really grateful to you for that. And I'm sure that there's more that uh, we could work on. And I will talk with you about that off mic. But (laughs) today I wanted you to come on to talk about mental health and counseling in the church. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to say about that. So we'll get right into it. And we'll just start off with letting you introduce yourself. I'm James King. And I'm a counselor and I'm also a pastor here in Northwest Arkansas. We started as North American missionaries back in 2010 as church planters in our small community. Church has grown over the years. We're in fact in a building project right now that we're very excited about. God's been very good to us to kind of provide and help and direct and guide us. And I just spoke with our builder tonight and sent some emails and some phone calls. So we're very excited about that. I am uh, an only child. I've married to Linda, and I've got an only child, Zach, who's 23, who's a senior at the University of Arkansas. 
and he's actually uh, an undergraduate counseling major. And I'm kind of hoping that he'll look at looking at graduate school, but we'll see how that turns out. It's either it's going to either be John Brown, possibly the University of Arkansas State here, or possibly Urshan. And I'm not adverse to any of those things. So God's been very good to us. I have a master's of science in marriage and family therapy from John Brown University. I also have an undergraduate degree from Northwestern College in counseling psychology. And I've been to Bible College Apostolic Bible Institute and have a a bachelor's of science from ABI and have taught at, at ABI. I've taught at other Bible colleges. I've done counselor education. Oh, my goodness. I've taught at a couple <laughs> other colleges, and I've uh, helped other practicum students on their way to getting their degree in licensure. So, And I've been a therapist and a counselor since 2006. Wow. So very excited about everything going on in our lives. Love it, love it, love it. Wouldn't change uh, any of the journey and the road we've been down. And it's been such a, a pleasure to be able to work with people over the last several years. Wow, that's really a lot of school. And uh, I'm a fan it of school, so, school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that doesn't sound too terrible to me, but <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of degrees there you have. It is, and and I could I'm kind of like you. My, my son's ready to get out, and my wife, she has a, a bachelor's degree in business administration, but I'm the student. I could go to class forever, I think. I don't think I could ever get weary of going to class. So I'm with you on that. Yep. I think sometimes as I get older, I think I would, I hope to go back for more education at some point when my kids are a little bit older. So I think that I would appreciate it more than I did whenever I was, you know, in college right out of high school. But I do know that it's a lot of work. And so (laughs) no matter what age you are, it's a lot of work. (laughs) No, no, I understand. I've done some postgraduate work when my son was playing t-ball and soccer and you know, you miss some of those times with your family. So if you're going to do it, sis, you do it pretty quickly because it's <laughs> uh, you don't want to miss any of those wonderful parts of life. And uh, I, I don't have any regrets, but I'm I'm so very grateful that uh, that I had the opportunity to to finish and do some things. So yeah, so we 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 love it. My wife's been very good about it. She knows I'm a perpetual student. And she just kind of lives with it. So it's okay. (laughs) Hey, lifelong learners, right? That's what they want us to be. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you decide on counseling as your your path, as your career path? Well, so it was kind of an interesting journey. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was 23 years old. I was a student at the University of Arkansas and just really directionless in my life. And after I'd received the, the Holy Ghost... I was looking and talking to some pastors in the area, talked to the pastor of the church I was attending at the time, and Bible college kind of opened the door. So I left Secular University, went to Bible college, finished up at ABI, like I said, received my general license, and uh, eventually, back in 2012, I was received my ordination, felt it was time to go ahead and do that. But during that that period of time, I... Um, decided to go back and finish my undergraduate degree. And as I was looking, I was a business major initially in economics, didn't really feel the call to do that anymore. So when Linda and I married, uh, we were, there were four couples that married that summer. And when you're single, you 
know that single people have issues and problems and there's always issues in dating, you know, and you, you know, Uh you go through all of those things. But while we were at the Bible college, there were several of the people that married with us that had some difficulties. And then when you get into that married circle and you start rubbing elbows with all of those folks, you start seeing some some chinks in the armor or you start seeing some, Mm. some difficulties. And then I had folks come to me because I knew that I was a minister and, and would ask me, Hey James, what do you think about this? You know, my husband or my wife were facing this issue. And I was kind of the guy that everybody always went to because I, they, I guess felt I was easy to talk to, but I didn't really have answers. Mm. You know, I had the pat answers that we always get, talk to your pastor, pray, read your Bible. Uh You know, and we always have those pat answers that we carry in our hip pocket, but I really didn't have any deep answers to give them that were going to be adequate for the issues that they were facing. So when I went back and finished my undergraduate degree, I decided to to uh, look at uh, counseling psychology because I felt a desire that I was going to go to graduate school and I wanted to be. Uh, just because of those experiences with people and and not being able to give them the answer that they needed, I had a real passion for that. And I've always kind of been that guy that everybody comes to. And it just felt like a natural fit. I felt Lord leading and guiding in that direction. Brother Trapani was a big influence in my life to tell me to go ahead and pursue graduate school. And then as I was looking for graduate schools, we were in Minnesota at the time, John Brown presented itself because Dr. Gary Oliver was there, Dr. John Carmack was there, and they were some big names in the Christian counseling community. Mm. And it just, and it was close to family. And we'd had a little boy, Zachary, and it just felt like it was the best thing to come this direction and just had a passion to, to really help people and felt inadequate to do that. Mm-hmm. It's reminding me of something that uh, one of my guests. Jessica Simpson had talked about about where mm-hmm. your where your passion aligns with the mission of the church. Oh, yeah. oh being the place of your calling. And that sounds like you combined a need in in the community with a passion and a a personality type even of your own to kind of guide you in that decision. You know, I think so. I you know, when you have passion, you know, and you've got God's calling and then you equip yourself, you, you become very, very instrumental in the kingdom of God. And I think you need to follow your passion and allow God to develop you. There are so many needs in the kingdom of God. I mean, not just counselors, but uh, financial advisors, attorneys, mechanics. I, I don't think that your passion needs to be just in one direction or in one ministerial aspect. We we focus so much on the pulpit ministry. But the helping ministry is so integral in the body of Christ. And we need people that have passion in a variety of areas that can really allow God to use them in very powerful ways. Um, But my passion just happened to be helping people. And it uh, has been such a a rewarding thing. And uh, I love it. Sometimes you just kind of have to learn to separate yourself from the issues that you're helping folks work through. Uh-huh. But that's where God comes in and leads and guides. And when I get dumped on, then I just turn around in prayer and dump everything on him. So I don't <laughs> have to care. It. And mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier. But but I love what I do. I have done counseling all over our fellowship. I've done marriage seminars. 
I've got pastors that call me, uh, and I'm so grateful that they put their faith, confidence, and trust in me to work with their people. And I've I've garnered a, a very good reputation of being a very ethical man, and that means a lot to me as well. And uh, I'm not here to pastor somebody else's saints. I'm here to to help them and to equip them and to kind of work myself out of a job. I've always seen it from that mm-hmm. perspective. I, counseling shouldn't be something that people spend a lifelong you know, endeavor in. I believe that you help folks because we're all created in the image of God. So I personally believe that we're all equipped to live overcoming lives, to live successful uh, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally lives. And we've got this great toolbox. We just don't know how to sometimes use some of those tools. So I see my responsibility as helping people to identify the tools they have that God's given them and equipped them with and just learn how to use them. For sure. For sure. I, yeah, I, I 100% agree with all of that. I, it's one of the things that I've, I'm also passionate about is helping people see that there's more to ministering the kingdom of God than just the pulpit ministry and also helping people figure out how to, to work through some of the things that keep, that keep us back, you know, myself included. So, well, I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast because that's something that you and I have talked about mm-hmm. and you had great passion around it and you wanted to use it not just as something that would help you, but you really wanted it to be a ministry opportunity. And I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. I think they're absolutely wonderful. I'm glad you're doing it. I believe that it's going to be a, a thing that really helps people. Uh, and and I've I've been very proud of you. I I think it's mm-hmm. wonderful that you're doing it, and it's it's a great privilege to be part of it. Well, thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. Well, so you and I are in agreement that looking for someone to help you with your mental and emotional struggles who has some professional training and background mm-hmm. is an important thing. Right. But a lot of times, growing up in the church, it feels like there's been a stigma around that. And that there are people in the church who are skeptical of psychology or of seeking out a professional counselor. So can you speak to that? And why do you think that is? And what is your answer to that? Yeah. So I would say that in general, for most people, there's a stigma, whether you're in the church or out of the church. Mm -hmm. I think there's a little bit of a stigma that's involved. I think I think it's changing as counseling has become more prevalent, is becoming more accepted. Mm-hmm. But I still think there's a little bit of a stigma for folks that, you know, that aren't uh, in the church as well. But as far as for church people, I really think that, you know, we tell people, you know, pray, read your Bible and talk to your pastor or, you know, we don't really have answers for them. Mm-hmm. And so some folks feel that, you know, I need to pull myself up by my own bootstrap. I need to, I just don't pray enough or I'm not doing this enough. And you know, what would somebody think if they knew that I was getting help? And isn't mm. the Holy Ghost, you know, you know, our help and our counselor? So why should I have to reach out? And people are afraid of it. Plus, I think that most psychology that we see through social media, through television, through movies, through writing uh, in popular culture is kind of a Freudian take on things. Mm-hmm. And I think that scares people to, you know, when they start asking, well, you know, that's your mom's fault or, you know, that's your dad's fault. And 
people have just a misunderstanding and mischaracterized counseling mm. and the wonderful benefits that can happen from it. You know, people don't want to feel like that they don't have enough faith. Right. That somehow there's something wrong. Their faith is broken and they can't get right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just a great deal of fear and misunderstanding. And, and I think counseling has been misrepresented as just a secular thing. But obviously, he's the counselor. He's the great counselor. But God has also equipped his body, which is the church, to heal itself and to help itself and to reach out. And I know no better therapist and counselor than somebody, number one, who is filled with the Spirit who has the great counselor that they're connected with. And there's great wisdom that comes with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and, you know, developing a relationship with God. But I think people are just, they just misunderstand and it's been mischaracterized as something that is completely secular. Mm -hmm. And really, counseling is the first line of defense that God has given us. Paul wrote letters that were in counsel to the churches. Uh-huh. So that was more of a uh, a writing type of a, a counseling concept. So I think people just are afraid. They misunderstand it. They're afraid of it. And then I think sometimes we, behind the pulpit, we kind of preach against it. And we're looked down upon if we seek help. Yeah. And I think some pastors, and I, I think this is changing, but I think some pastors really don't want their people because I think that they feel it's a reflection on them that they're not doing a very good job mm-hmm. with their people if they have to go see a counselor. So it's sometimes it's discouraged. But I will say just flat out, pastors don't have time. They're crunched. Sometimes they're not equipped with, and who's got time to, to go get a graduate degree or doctorate mm-hmm. degree in counseling? And, mm-hmm. and who's got time to do these things? And pastors, you know, we have budgets, we have people, we have issues. There's things always going on. So I think sometimes it it's discouraged because we don't want people to think that we're not good enough for them as well. Mm. It's kind of a rambling thing there. <laughs> no, that's very interesting because I'm thinking through different examples in the scripture. I, I never even thought of this in relationship to counseling, but it just came to mind was Moses, you know, when his father-in-law comes to him and says like, you can't on your own handle all these issues of all these people. You have to yes. delegate some of this. And I don't know that that was necessarily that he was counseling them, but he was dealing with issues amongst the people. You know, I'm sure there was some counseling going on in that scenario. And and he it was too much for him on his own. Yeah. And I think that, and you know, the ministry, we've always built a ministry up that we're supermen mm. and we're really not. I have men in my life that I counsel with on a regular basis. I don't do therapy with them, but I have godly men who give me counsel. I, you know, I've pastored for 10 years. I've been in the ministry since 1996. Uh, I've only been a pastor for 10 years and I've got questions. I've got folks, you know, I mean, I have years of counseling experience. I have education, but there are just some times when I need counsel and how to handle things and situations. So I don't think we should shy from it. I think we should surround ourselves, first of all, with many counselors. And look at people. Brother Sidney Poe, when I was in Bible college, and Brother Poe's one of those men I look to. He's he's an incredibly gifted communicator, highly educated, but humble and down to earth, and such a has such great 
wisdom. But he said we need three things in life to be successful. We need uh, a, a, a close friend that we can just tell anything to and they're still going to love us. He said we also need a counselor, somebody that we can go to, to that can help us with things that we're having difficulty with. And then he also said we need to have a counselee, somebody that we can pour ourselves into. And he said, if you have those three things, you'll be a very emotionally successful person. And so I've tried to live my life with that, looking for people that I can pour myself into and then finding, you know, men that uh, are godly, that that I can look to, that I can, you know, safely go to them and say, because pastors, frankly, you know, you don't want to talk to too many folks because, Mm. you know, we're just (laughs) like our saints. We don't want people to think we have issues and problems and we don't have all of the answers. We don't. There's only one person that does, and that's the Lord himself. And God's body is here to equip us and help us. So I practice what I preach. I mm-hmm. find counselors. I find people. I, I reach out for folks that can offer something and pour something into my life. And, and I have these men that Brother Bill Chapman is another one of those. He'll probably, if he'll hear this or not, but it'll probably embarrass him. But he is a a wonderful counselor in my life and a, a man of God that I, I look to and, and respect highly. And I call him when I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think God's people need people. Yeah. And counsel could come in a variety of different ways as well. It doesn't always have to be therapy. It can just be counsel as well. Yeah. I love that. God's people need people. None of us can exist on our own. No, we are not an island unto ourselves. God's created social beings. And part of psychological issues begin when we start to isolate ourselves as Christians. Something gets a hold of our life. We get depressed. We get anxious. And then the first thing we want to do is isolate ourselves. When we shouldn't isolate ourselves, we should reach out to the body. But it can be scary to reach out to the body. And not everybody's equipped in the body to, to help you. And that's where I come in. I'm not here to pastor people. And I I let pastors know, listen, I'm not here to pastor your people. And when you and I met, I said, hey, I'm not your pastor. I'm not here to give you pastoral advice. You have that. You've got a great man in Brother Longstreth. I'm here to help you with some other things. And I let pastors know that as well, too, because I certainly don't want them to be fearful of me either, because the body is so important. And we all have strengths and weaknesses. And and as a pastor, sometimes I don't want to know everything about my folks, right? Right, yeah. And they don't want me to know everything about them. And sometimes we need that mediator, that somebody that can come along beside and and help and do and instruct and counsel. So I think it's important. It's important in the body of Christ. For sure. You said there are, are different types of counsel and not all of them have to be therapist or you oh, know, sure. a professional counselor. But what are some indicators that that is the next right step? Like, how yeah. would a person know, okay, now it's time for me to really, I, I need to find someone who has some background and expertise in working through this issue? You know, that's a great question. And I get asked that a lot. So your first line of defense is prayer, the word, and your pastor. That's where you go first. And if you're finding yourself that, and, and certainly I'm not, disparaging or diminishing any of those things. I I think if we prayed more and we prayed correctly, we wouldn't have a lot of the issues we have in our lives. I think when you reach a point in your life, when you've done all you can, 
and it's not getting better, then you need to say, okay, maybe I need some therapy. Maybe I need uh, a greater degree of counseling. And if, if it's not working, then you need to reach out to somebody. And if it, it's, it's not a difficult question to answer, but I think that people reach a point where they don't know what else to do. They've done everything they can do. They pray, they've sought God, they've read their Bible. And those are, again, talk to their pastor. Those are the first line of defense. If things aren't getting better, then there's something that we're missing. And we all have blind spots in our lives. My wife has a Honda Pilot and I drive a GMC 2500. I love my truck. I can see over everything and I can know what's behind me, what's in front of me. But every time I get into my wife's vehicle, it sets a little lower. And I'm driving and I'm looking, I'm thinking, oh, I got blind spots now. I can't see. Mm. We all have blind spots. And sometimes a therapist can help us to see those blind spots. Because, you know, the, the old adage is, you know, what is insanity? It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Uh-huh. Sometimes you need somebody. And if you've done all you can, you're getting the same results. You need to reach out to somebody that has some clinical training because there is such a thing as clinical depression. There is such a thing as whether it's organic or situational, there really are emotional and psychological issues that people need to address in their lives. And sometimes we need somebody who I believe it's somebody that's spirit filled in tune and has the wisdom of God who believes what you believe. And you can go to that person and get some therapy because we have those blind spots and people can point us in the right directions, especially somebody who is godly and has training in particular areas that can understand the organic and spiritual perspective of issues. Yeah. I think of it sometimes as, you know, when a person is like diagnosed with diabetes or something like that. Mm, Yeah. There are things that you need to know about the way that your body is functioning and changes that you need to make in order to be healthy. And so I've always questioned why it's any different, right? Because there are so many, not many, but I would say there are, there are mental health issues that have a physiological component. And at some point you, you, you need to talk to somebody who understands that. Exactly. If you're ever going to move past the point that you're in. I think also for me, whenever it was time for me, we, when you know, I decided it was time to seek something more than, like you said, you're reading the word and talking to friends and, yeah. you know, talking to other moms who had gone through postpartum depression and that sort of thing. It wasn't even that I realized I, I had reached the end of my resources. It was my husband who looked at me mm-hmm. one night and said, I think we've done all we can do here. I think it's time that you went and found somebody you can talk to that actually understands what's going on on a deeper level and can help you work through this. Completely, completely, 100% agree with that. Uh, You know, you're right. We take medication for diabetes. We take medication for high blood pressure. We, I wear glasses Mm. (laughs) because without them, I'm dangerous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Me too. (laughs) So, so, right. So, you know, we're, we're not, we don't worry about that, but when it, comes to spiritual and, and emotional things, we, we get very sensitive about those things. And I think we need to be a little bit more open about getting help. 
you're, you're right. There should not be a stigma because God's created the body to heal itself. And, mm-hmm. and we can go to people that are equipped that understand the organic physiological components of depression, postpartum depression, anxiety disorders. And I've dealt with, oh my goodness, everything from bipolar disorder to disassociative fugue disorder to marriage problems to, I mean, all kinds of counseling things. And not of all of those are emotional and spiritual. Some are organic. There's a physiological mm-hmm. component. We got them on a medication. We did some talk therapy. They worked with their pastor. They found those blind spots. They were able to get their body chemistry mm-hmm. back in balance. And their prayers started to be answered. And they started to live fuller lives because there was an organic component to their issues. Mm-hmm. So we have to recognize that there are physiological aspects to who we are as people. And don't be afraid of that. Embrace the help that you can get with that. Yeah, I think that a lot of that stigma has gone away, at least in my, my practice. A lot of folks are really embracing it. And in my district and my section and the pastors that I talk to and I have pastors that call me from all over the United States asking, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I think people are becoming more open to it because they realize the world is not getting any easier. It's getting increasingly more complicated Uh and more difficult to maneuver in life. For sure. I love that. I love that you said God created the body to heal itself. Oh, absolutely. And we need to rely on other parts of the body. You know, we understand that physical healing comes in many, in many ways. God can miraculously heal us in an instant, but he's mm-hmm. also built healing and designed our, our physical bodies to heal themselves. Or he's, he's equipped our, our medical professionals with the knowledge to help us heal our own bodies. Oh, absolutely. And, and all of that is healing from God. You know, none, none, we wouldn't yeah. heal without his divine touch through all of those means. And the same is true for our mental and emotional health. Oh, I believe so. People will reach into their medicine cabinet and grab their high blood pressure pills, but be afraid to grab an anti-anxiety medication. Uh-huh. <laughs> when, <laughs> you know, it's all organically based. It's physiologically based. And I think sometimes people just, they, nobody wants to be weak right. or feel that there's a weakness in them. But Paul said, you know, you know, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. And we need to realize that, you know, our weaknesses, whether they, they're physiological or we're going through spiritual difficulties, emotional difficulties, that's when God gets the greatest glory is when we get through those situations. And God has provided the body. And I feel very privileged and humbled and, and excited. And I think it's wonderful that, you know, I get to be part of that in a lot of people's lives. I mean, I wouldn't just recommend any therapist because there's a reason why therapies, you know, people are, are, there are some legitimate reasons why people, there is a stigma and people are Mm -hmm. afraid because you can't just trust anybody. And I wouldn't want to trust anybody. You know, the scripture says that, you know, the godly are those that give the right counsel. Mm. And I wouldn't recommend just any therapist. I'm, you know, I I would want to know what they believe. I want to know that who they're submitted to. 
and ultimately we need to be submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of person I want to give me counsel. That's the kind of therapist I want. That's the kind of person in the body that I want helping me to heal. Yeah, me too. Well, I think the very first time that we met, you talked to me about the scripture in John eight thirty two that says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah, I love that. And you had a perspective on that verse that I'd never heard before. So I'd love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, well, thank you. Sure. So when we read that, we think the truth is automatically the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We think it's, you know, Acts 2.38. That's the truth. And, and it is. It's part of the truth. I've always been a firm believer that all truth is God's truth. Uh. And when you know the truth, so let me, I'll kind of extrapolate that a little bit. The truth is not just doctrinal truth. It's truth of who he is. It's truth of who I am in him. It's the basic truth. And when you know who you are in Christ Jesus and you know what he's done in your life, that's the truth that sets you free. It's not just and, and it is the gospel. I don't want to minimize, you know, the Acts 238 message because it's essential to our salvation. It, it's the new birth experience. But after you've had the new birth experience, that's not the only truth there is. Right. And I, I'm always telling folks, you know, if, if, if it just took Acts 238, then that would be the last scripture in the Bible. There <laughs> wouldn't be anything else. Mm. But we need more. There's greater truth. There's greater depths. And the truth of who you are in Christ, I really believe, is what sets you free, not just doctrinal truth. Yeah, it's so simple, but it opens up a whole other world of understanding and why I could have the Holy Ghost and why I can be, you know, mm-hmm. doing my best to live for God and still not feel free and still be right. feeling like I'm bound up to whatever it is, addiction yeah. or depression or anger or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it all happens in what we believe about you had told me it happens in what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God, what we believe about other people. Oh, yeah, that's our paradigm. That, that's I look at what we believe about God, others, and ourselves as the very foundational things. Those are the roots, the paradigm. That's our schema. That's our belief system. What I believe about God determines how I live my life. What I believe about others determines the kind of relationships I have. And what I believe about myself either frees me or limits me in what I'm able to do with the first two. So I I think it's incredibly important that the truth of knowing is a very freeing thing because you really hit the uh, nail on the head when you said, I can have the Holy Ghost. I can live a holy life. I can be faithful to church and pay my tithe. I'm reading my Bible. I'm, you know, I'm amening my pastor. I'm, I'm involved. I'm teaching Sunday school class. I'm, I'm even maybe even preaching behind the pulpit, but I don't feel free. I'm bound by, you know, addiction or I'm bound by anxiety. I'm bound by depression. I have these tentacles that seemingly are pulling me down. And I can't tell you the people in our churches who are Holy Ghost filled, wonderful, godly people, but they just don't feel freedom because they feel there's something holding them back. But when you understand who you are in Christ and that you really are fearfully, wonderfully made and you can be set free because there's so much more available. I think we live our lives so underprivileged in the Holy Ghost. 
so many things that we just don't live full lives. Because Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Hmm. So can you pull from some of your experience? Mm-hmm. Because I know whenever you first told me this concept, you know, that some of our issues that we struggle with stem from that incorrect belief about ourselves or others or God. Right. That made sense to me on an intellectual level, but it's taken a lot of time and I'm still working through, okay, so for me, what is it that I believe about myself? What is it that I believe about God? And where am I maybe believing some incorrect things? So could you maybe just give some examples yeah. of what are some incorrect beliefs people might have about themselves, others, or God? Right. And so I think incorrect beliefs are the reason why so many people struggle. We've been told so many things over the years. For example, let me give you a wonderful scriptural example, then I'll, I'll kind of extrapolate that out to a personal example. The woman with the issue of blood said to herself, well, what does that mean? It, it means that she did what therapists call self-talk. She would sit around and she would tell herself something about herself. Now, we don't necessarily say self, this is what you are, self, this is who you are, but they come through messages in our minds of inadequacies. We get inadequacies because we see other people right? and we see that their lives are so much better than our lives, right? Because Facebook and Instagram (laughs) and all of social media tells us how much better everybody else's life is than ours. And so we tell ourselves, we start to say, well, you know, I really don't measure up. I really don't have the ability. You know, how can God really use someone like me? You know, we get the Gideon complex. I am the least in Israel and I'm the least in my father's house. (laughs) I am nobody, God. And then we get that and we start believing the propaganda that we're telling ourselves about mm-hmm. ourselves. I've had so many clients over the years. They they come in, and I can think of this one gentleman who was uh, he was apostolic, but he wasn't he wasn't United Pentecostal. He came in, and he was preaching. He was evangelizing, and he was really struggling uh, struggling with some sexual addiction and pornography in his life, and. You know, he would be up there. He was going through some some difficult things. He came to me and said, hey, look, you know what? I can't keep doing this. And I I said, absolutely, you're right. And we started to look kind of through his life. And he had had some sexual abuse in his life. And it was not his fault. It, you know, without going into great, horrific, you know, gruesome detail, Uh you know, he had been molested. And he grew up with a very wrong concept of sexuality mm-hmm. and understanding his sexuality. And he would tell himself, you know, I'm not any good. I'm, And I think sexual survivors do this quite a lot. They take upon themselves the responsibility of the perpetrator mm-hmm. and they blame themselves. So he believed that somehow he was inadequate. Somehow, you know, he's done something wrong. and he was just a young man at the time, and he would tell himself, you know, how awful he was and how terrible he was. And, you know, the scripture says that a dog goes back to its vomit. So he would kind of, he would get into these funks, and all he knew from his past was pornography and sexuality. 
and he would get involved in promiscuous relationships and pornography became a very strong part of his life and you know we could condemn that man and say you know you're a holy ghost field you're a preacher you're this he was hurting so deeply inside mm. and i'm not excusing sin certainly i would never excuse sin he that knoweth do good and doeth not to him it is sin you know should we continue in sin that grace abound god forbid i understand you know what i've got those scriptures memorized i can I can preach on him, but there was something so much deeper in this young man's life. And he told himself how inadequate he was. And that self-talk manifests itself in pornography, in addiction, in a very sexual nature. And he would tell himself, I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy. And that's all he knew growing up was sexual abuse. And for him, Sexual abuse, sexuality, pornography, sexual addiction, all of those things were very, I don't want to use the word normal, but they were very commonplace to him. Hmm. So when he would find need soothing, right, instead of going prayer and speaking in tongues and reaching that place in God, he would turn right to pornography. He would hmm. turn right to sexual addiction. And he would tell himself how unworthy he was. And it was so crushing and so devastating. And we, we found help and relief and repentance and restoration for that young man. But that's kind of an example of, you know, the woman with issue blood. I, you know, she would tell herself that she's not worthy, you know, and this young man, I'm not worthy. I'm, and it led to giving the devil foothold in his life. Yeah. And he just went down a very destructive path because he believed something about himself that was simply not true. He was just a sexual object. Now, if you would ask him, he wouldn't say that because right. we don't cognitively, consciously say that, but it's a belief system. When we talk to ourselves, it's things that we've learned about ourselves that we tell ourselves. I hope that makes sense. That's kind of a, a roundabout way. It does. It does make sense. And I think that's a good point at the end that you just made was we don't realize that we're doing this. If you ask oh, yeah. us, we would say, oh, no, I don't believe that. Because I, I can imagine, and I don't, I don't know this person, obviously, but I can just imagine that that wrong belief about yourself translates into a wrong belief about other people. Other people oh. don't struggle like I struggle. Yes. Other people don't understand. They're, mm -hmm. They have it all figured out. I'm the only one who's dealing with this. And then a oh, wrong yeah. that also turns into a wrong belief about God, either like God loves them more than he loves me, or I'm not as yep. worthy of God's love, exactly. or I have to figure this out before I can come to God. All of these things get tied in together, and we don't realize that we're believing them until mm -hmm. we stop and sit down with someone who can help us kind of Absolutely. pull it all apart and examine it. it. Those are the blind spots that I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't make the connections. Because we're too close to the situation. We're caught up in whatever it is that we just can't think straight. We can't see, you know, the car coming up on our blind side. And we, we miss so many things in a relationship. So those beliefs, God, self, and others, those are the driving forces that are under the ground. Those aren't the things that are manifest. Those are the things that are in our lives that we don't see, hear, taste, smell, touch, but they're the root system that feeds every behavior, mm. everything that we do. So this young man believed what he believed about himself. So 
all we saw the fruit of his belief system was sexual relationships that were inappropriate, pornography, and all kinds of crazy things going on in his life. That's the manifest. That's the behavior. And if all we focus on is the behavior, all we become is a condemning, self-righteous, better-than-thou type of a church. Uh. Or we believe that about ourselves, but we got to get to the root reasons. And those root causes are belief, deeply held, learned beliefs about God, ourselves, and others. And that's where I really try to get with folks, because what you believe about yourself, the scripture says, as a man thinketh, so he is. Uh. So what comes first, the behavior or the belief? The belief comes first, which leads to all of these other behaviors. Romans chapter one, when they knew God, they did glorify him as God, they became vain in their imagination. And then all these other things followed because of that. So belief system leads to behavior and behaviors then lead to lifestyles Uh. and we get caught into ruts. And I remember Dr. Gary Oliver sitting in class once said, you know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. Mm. And so many Christians are caught in these ruts of anxiety, pornography, depression, and, you know, and just the gamut. And we can't where we can't get out of them. And that's when we need to reach out to the body and say, hey, I need some therapy. I need some help. Yeah. And, and I don't always use the word therapy because it's a scary word. It's it's a frightening word. So I try not to use therapy. I mean, that's what I am. But I try not <laughs> to, to use it that often because it's intimidating to say I'm going for therapy. Yeah. Oh, you are. Well, what's wrong with you? And, you know, they're suffering from the same thing or something very similar. But because they have this wrong conception, they won't get help. Yeah. And. I would rather get help and crawl into heaven than run into hell. (laughs) For sure, yes. For sure, yeah. Obviously, because we are having this conversation, (laughs) I 100% (laughs) agree with that. And I'm really hopeful, and I'm just believing by faith that somebody is listening to this who has realized through our conversation, you know what, that's me. I have this thing that I that I believe that's incorrect that's that's yep. causing the issue in my life that I can't seem to get a grip on. And so right. for those people, I want us to give them some resources that they can use to get started on their path to becoming mentally and emotionally whole. So whether that's books, whether that's places they can go to find a Christian counselor, what kind of resources do you have for people? Yeah, again, I think the first line of defense is always prayer, the word and your pastor. Uh-huh. I think the second line, then, there's a lot of great resources on the Internet. Now, not everything on the Internet's great. We all know uh. that. <laughs> but there is a website in an organization called the American Association of Christian Counselors, and it's aacc.net. And on that website, you can find a local Christian counselor. You can find resources and books and periodicals and videos and DVDs and articles that have been written that are absolutely wonderful. And and I highly encourage that. There's also another website through John Brown University, which is my alma mater, called the Relationship Institute. I believe that's what they're calling it now. But if you go to John Brown and type in graduate studies, 
counseling. It'll take you to their website. And Dr. Oliver, Dr. Carmack, and several of the staff there, the teaching staff, have written several wonderful articles on anger and anger management and anxiety and depression. Then the United Pentecostal Church, which I highly, highly recommend, has a webpage where you can call counselors and helpers that are either professional or parachurch counselors, and you can mm. talk to somebody and talk to your pastor. Pastors usually, you know, are pretty connected and they can. Uh, help you to find a counselor in the area. But I'll be very frank and honest. The reason why, if you're apostolic, you should seek out apostolic counselors is because they they get it, uh-huh. right? We, you know, we have a specific doctrine. And sometimes a counselor would go, well, what do you mean holiness? Well, what do you mean this? Well, that's your problem. <laughs> it's those mm. holiness standards and things you know, because they don't understand and they don't know. So I, I'm always very cautious and careful about who I refer because I don't see everybody. I can't see everybody. I don't have time. And, and sometimes I don't have the expertise or the qualifications to handle a particular need, right, that a person may have. And there's a counselor that may have, they may be more of a crisis counselor. They may have, you know, more of um, a particular expertise in a particular field that I'm more of a generalist and they may have more of a specific set of skills and Uh and information education that I may not have. So I think you reach out to all of your resources around you. And there's a lot of wonderful books that have been written by some wonderful apostolic people that Mother Seagraves has written a book about hurting that I've read and have given out and uh, recommended a lot. And if somebody wants to reach out to me, I'm not afraid to have my phone number out there, my email address out there. If I can't help you, maybe I can point somebody in a direction that can help them. Because again, you know, I'm in Northwest Arkansas. They may be in Timbuktu and we just can't get connected. But I've got a lot of folks that I know that I rub shoulders with that, that maybe can help them. Yeah, for sure. If you don't mind getting that out there, we'll definitely share it. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. I am understand that that I'm not the end to end all, and I'm certainly not the best at everything. And and I can, but I can certainly give advice and help, and maybe direct somebody to a counselor that in their area that can certainly be a blessing and a benefit to them. That's fantastic. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, I guess we'll get now to our final question, which has been the same on every episode so far. Yeah. What is a good question that you're asking lately? So I've been asked myself as well as other pastors and counselors, uh, both Christian counselors and non-Christian counselors that I are very good friends with. We are living in a very interesting time, and I have been really asking the question, how does the church answer a lot of the gender issues that we're facing, um, and how do we give an answer? when we say that God created male and female, because we believe that, we know that, we have a foundational principle on that, we know what God's word says, but there's so many people floundering out there right now, and there's so much confusion about gender, and I've just been researching and and praying and studying and asking God and talking to counselors in the field, how can we help folks that are really having a difficult time understanding their gender and who they are in in Christ. And that's been a real big 
anything for me lately because I've had some clients and some some young people that I've tried to work with and there's not easy answers, right? No, I mean, we can we can say do this or this, but they need some some very solid answers. So I've really been trying to double my efforts in scripture and in therapeutic areas and trying to get some wisdom on how to answer some of these gender-based questions that uh, a lot of people are really struggling with right now. And there's a lot of people hurting right now and not understanding who they are and how God's yeah. made them. Yeah, it takes us right back to that question about what people are believing about themselves yeah. and about God, and and then also from the outside when you're looking at, when you're looking at someone, how easy it is to just say, well, obviously this is your problem, and without delving into the, the underlying issues that lead people to these conclusions. And I must say, I'm so relieved to hear you say that you are looking into that and that you're talking to people about that because that's been something that my husband and I have talked about just, um, you know, amongst ourselves about what is the church's response to this going to be? And it, it's not going away. No. And, and as our kids get older, what's going to be the way that, that we decide to approach this and deal with this? Because if we think it's not coming to our churches and that we don't have kids that are struggling with these things, we're sorely mistaken. Well, they're getting all of the wrong answers mm-hmm. and they need right answers and they need godly answers. But as a church, we also need to give them an answer that is not just pray about it or this is what God's word says. Well, they don't really right. care what God's word said. They mm-hmm. they need some, we need to give them a biblical answer, but it, it's how we frame the biblical answer. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, T.W. Barnes, no, it wasn't T.W. Barnes. It was one of our elders years ago. I heard on a preaching tape. He said, people like steak, but they don't want to be slapped in the face with it. Yeah. So, if you cook it, you prepare it, it's about how you present it. Mm. And we can't call them sinners. We can't just say terrible things about them. And we can't be afraid of them. We can't be intimidated because Jesus wasn't any of those things. No. Uh, and there are answers to give people. And the scripture says that we need to give everybody an answer for the reason, for the hope that resides within us. And so those are some answers I'm kind of seeking on how to best help folks with those questions. So that's kind of what I've been asking here lately. Well, that that's a it's a great one. And I'll have you know, you brought that up now. I'm gonna be checking back with you to find <laughs> out if you have the answers right. and we might have to do a another interview with we you on that topic to all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> because that's one on my list. <laughs> yeah. Well I'm so glad you could join me and I appreciate you sharing with us and, and talking through some of these things with us. I know this is gonna be a blessing to people and I I just really really appreciate it well I appreciate that and thank you again it's been a wonderful I love to talk I love to talk so uh, (laughs) it's been very very much very much a, a treat for me as well too so thank you so much you're welcome friends I really hope that conversation was an encouragement to you I have been hugely impacted by my personal therapy sessions with Pastor King, and I'm so thankful he could join us to share some of his wisdom and expertise with you all as well. If something in this episode connected with you and you realize that you could benefit from seeking professional counseling, I urge you do not delay. Speak to your pastor to find a local recommendation. Check out the Lifeline resources Pastor King mentioned. They can be found on upcifamily.com forward slash lifeline. Or if you'd like to reach out to Pastor King himself, he's available by text or phone, and that number will be listed in the show notes. 
I encourage you to share this episode with someone in your life, either by text or on social media. There is so much wisdom here, and I truly believe it has the power to begin dismantling strongholds in our minds if we will take it in and really process the root belief systems that are producing unwanted behaviors and emotions in our lives. All of the resources Pastor King mentioned are linked in the show notes as well. You'll also find the link to become a listener supporter on Anchor and the links to connect to our social media accounts. We're on Facebook as Good Question with Jessica Tander at Podcast and on Instagram at Good Question Show. You can find me on Instagram at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back here next week with another good question. See y'all then.